0: Welcome to Front Row Geeks. To make sure people want to stick around. grab right there, if it's a boring, cold open, then people are going to be less likely to stick around. Does count as one? something like that? This would be a very boring cold open. Okay. I hope we're not recording. Okay. Hi that He is third. <laughs> yes. Yeah. See, oh that's how God. it works. <laughs> uh, you are bad. an absolute monster, Baron. <laughs> <laughs> You're an absolute monster. Um, I. I my only regret is that I missed like the first like, five seconds we start talking about cold opens. So li- mm-hmm. it, it could have been perfect, but you know, it, I, I get a B plus a B+ at most. So. No, 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 no. That's like a C minus at best. Oh, well, we'll let the we'll let lizards decide. Rate me. rape me. If I, am I hot or not? On rapeme.com that? Like oh, God. <laughs> Hi, everybody. FRG is back. The podcast is back. I mean, FRG never left. I'm the one who has been gone for weeks. Me who's only big on everyone else has been around yeah. actually doing stuff. He abandoned FRG. we have been yeah. here. And that internet died. But you know. I guess that's me also abandoning it. If I had yep. if I had working internet, I would be here. It's my fault. Yep. It's your fault that you did not have working internet. That is exactly accurate. And I went to GDC. But you know, that was uh, not, that was before the revolution. Well, I mean that's definitely your fault. Well, I said the internet problems were occurring at the same time, so I probably would have been in the same boat, but you know, the speculation at best. Hi everybody we're we're back to recording the pod. I'm joined by all sure Fate test and MPx we're We're doing good. I, uh... yo hello. so there's been a I mean, there is a lot and maybe not a lot to talk about because I feel like things come and go all the time, but i I think we've been doing some things that we we can bring up and kind of catch us catch up with ourselves with. So we'll just kind of roll right into it. um like I said, I was going to GDC. um it was a fun time. good time as always. I think really, but I think as far as newsworthy things that happened there really the only thing that comes to mind was Unreal's editor that came out it just allows people to use the Unreal Fortnite assets to create games which it looked cool in their previews I don't I don't know if any anyone else but me has seen that I, they were really putting it out I mean it felt like a big deal cuz you're there when it happens right so they had like a big old like like 10,000 person event for it plus all everyone in the expo floor was like watching a live feed of it from their like enormously absurdly large booth. So it was a spectacle for everyone who was there. But for everywhere else I, I don't know yet. I have I haven't seen like the like and maybe it's too early, but you know like Roblox stuff you see all the time, you know, pop up on like social media and like for videos. But I haven't seen anything pop up with Unreal yet. So I don't know if it's just because it's too early or it has now not been fully released yet. This is just the announcement. I think mean, part of it is released because it, it's funny. One thing we were talking about pre recording, which we'll cover in a little bit, a game that ABE, yeah, a game that has had other discussions, has had other discussions revolve around it. I just read just now, trying to catch up with it, that someone is trying to make that game in the Unreal's Fortnite editor. So it's, it's funny how all that circled around. Oh boy. Yeah. Hilarious! What, what they're trying to make PUBG and Fortnite? Oh no, <laughs> damn! That would be funny. <laughs> I wonder if someone's going to do was that. Gonna... Uh, was PUBG it initially a source engine mod? No, it was Arma. Okay, okay. Admittedly, Arma's still a. I do mean, mean supposedly they're much. coming out with a new engine. Supposedly, here I'll post it for the benefit of of, of us pods. Potters Potters. Yeah, but I guess I was trying to. order is that it? Someone's trying to recreate that game that we'll talk about in a little bit. Oh, Fortnite. Oh, okay. So, you know, again, full circle moment. So um, yeah, that's been going on. That was a good time. Um, yeah, if you want to know about me going to GTC, just follow me on social media. Wait, so okay, now, I had to recreate time. Space Station 13 in Fortnite? Is that you making a joke, or did you read that? It's both believable. I was making a joke. Okay. Because <laughs> I would have believed it. No, the real thing is somebody's trying to make un- uh, Space Station 13 in Unity, and that's been an ongoing craziness for years. So, with that, MPX, take the floor because I want to hear about the this thing we were talking about a little bit, okay, or the recording more detail. Uh, Darker and Darker is a game that ended up uh, shooting up to the top of like the Steam wish list, mainly because other games on that wish list uh turned into vaporware quite immediately. But anyway, the thing with Darker and Darker is that uh, it's similar to Tarkov. A game which I also haven't played. So I don't really understand either. But think of it more of a survivalist. Uh, uh, Battle Royale style thing. Where the idea is you enter an area. You try to gather loot. For your character and such. And then you try to exit out. While also dealing with PvE and PvP elements. Ugh. For Darker and Darker. It's fantasy based. So you're dungeon delving. Dealing with skeletons and other nasties like giant spiders, travel adventurers, and yeah, other people. Lions and tigers and bears. No, no, oh. not yet. Should be a my. Uh, I've, I've I've literally never been a fan of PvPvE. I that that's always been a big uh, for me because yeah. of the PvP part. Of course, exactly so. Well, there is I, one I advantage: like... you can actually either solo it or uh, get in a party which is sort of interesting in some cases. So oh, in our hypothetical team, Faith test, you can attack the E part, and we'll take care of the, uh, the P part, after they've thought about those words first. Yeah, that is weird, because I would have figured that I would have been the one nominated to take care of the P <laughs> out of the three of us. Oh, I'm glad you said it. I'm glad it was you. <laughs> anyway. Continue, MPX. Continue. The thing is, is that the game ended up being super popular. And unfortunately... Uh, the team that was making it, tried to style themselves as, you know, true gamers. We don't want to make this an overly monetized thing. We want to return the industry back to its roots. All right. I uh, uh, we were not uh, Yeah. Well, they do realize the industry's roots were money, right? Yeah. The thing is, is that uh, Nexon came knocking with actual legal suits. Now, uh, the real controversy... Most people think is oh it's the big bullying corporation trying to get their money's worth. Hey, who's Nexon for, for uh, the, Nexon. In the audience? A Korean, uh, I don't really want to say conglomerate, but just simply a uh, corporation that usually does a lot of online uh, games and things. Uh, yeah, the shorthand for Nexon, but the shorthand the shorthand for Nexon is that they're the company uh, behind uh, Maple Story as well as Dungeon Fighter Online are the two big ones that I know of. Yeah. I think at one point, and I think this goes back to an offline conversation you and me were having, Asher, I think at one point they were uh, in talks for being involved in Eleven Mobile. Yes, I believe so. And then they decided to back off because uh, it quite literally something wasn't working. Well, if, oh, Eleven, would, Eleven doesn't monetize that way. Oh hey, they're also in charge of Mabinogi. Oh yeah, yeah, they've been yeah. they've been in charge of a lot of things. They've been around for a while. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, is that the uh, I'm trying to remember the company that makes Darker and Darker. Uh, Iron Mace, maybe. Cool. No clue. Verifying that. Yeah. Keep going. The thing is, is that uh, there is a they've already had their offices rated in South Korea, uh, trying to okay. It's, Essentially off of a search warrant that they did have uh, stolen code from the Nexon offices which they were developing at the time. Because originally this team was a bunch of ex-Nexon developers that were developing an an internal game that was very similar to Darker and Darker. The thing was is that they ended up getting uh, one of the major developers for this did get fired. Like fired with cause. Oof. So... They, uh, it's been a very chaotic thing because in some ways the social media on the Western side has been concentrating on the idea of that. They're just simply plucky developers trying to, you know, make it in the industry. But this kept coming in and to, to like dash people's hopes and dreams, I imagine. right? Well, it seems like Nexon might actually have actual legal, uh, you know, grounds? actual legal grounds and such. I mean... This raid that they did on their offices wasn't just done willy nilly just because they're powerful. They actually a- took months. They took, you know, proper legislative needs and concerns. If I can quickly uh, summarize, so what, you, what, what, what we're having here is that Nexon has accused and seems to have some substantial proof that yeah. Iron Mace or people involved in Iron Mace have taken uh, ideas I, I, that I, came from from Nexon to bring to this game, darker and Darker. Yes. Uh, well, the idea is is that they supposedly they were developing a very similar game internally on Nexon, but the game was of course quietly shelved. the Team was dissolved. You know the usual drill. Gotcha. Mm. And, and rather uh, than leaving it on the Nexon shelves to molder, uh, the allegations are that Iron Mace uh, decided to bring it over to on their own to their own and start putting it out there. Well, it's a question of whether or not they essentially started from nothing again and recoded back up to where they are? Or they just simply code assets and other such things and took it out the door, essentially? Mm -hmm. Basically, somebody took it off the shelf and went to Iron Mace like, hey, let's do this project. Here's all the stuff set up for us. Well, they started Iron Mace with this being their only title. so. So on the one, the first option is potentially skeezy. Um, the second option is definitely, uh, well, I don't know, I'm pretty sure legal, definitely immoral, but I'm pretty sure legal as well. Well, you have to remember that this is Korea where how many times has the code for, uh, lineage two has been stolen or lineage three? Uh, I think we're on, fourth or fifth time, I think fourth or fifth. But, But yeah, but the thing is, is that that's, uh, been happening in korea for decades now so there's a lot of precedent towards people taking the code and having you know entire legal disputes over who actually owns the code whether the code was properly verified or properly you know uh handled correctly it, it developed uh, internally versus you know stolen uh and it does in doesn't help much that the darker and Darker community has really enjoyed this game so much that this is one of the screwiest things of the like the entire story. One of the devs uh, went rogue and started up a GoFundMe page, or a Kickstarter, whichever, crowdfunding, to help fight their legal uh, woes. They managed to get like uh, fifty thousand dollars in like less than twelve hours of the half a million that they were asking. I and mean, so these people to really support this, or at least still does yeah. at some point, if not. Well, they'd have so to it. take it down because, again, it was sort of an, an internal employee go- going rogue, essentially. Yeah. And that's been chaotic in and of itself because it sounds like there was a lot of confusion inside of Iron Mace or those that were working with Iron Mace on whether this was, you know, official or was it some form of scam. Isn't it now alpha or something? Have people been actually been able to play it? There's been multiple open betas. Okay. I wasn't sure if anyone's actually played it. Okay, now I understand that. So that's sort of the reason why there is so much popularity and hype about this. How much so that there was defense for it? Yeah. Uh, And I can understand why people are trying to remake the game, because in some ways uh, they've seen a good game design, they know it's proven, and now all they need to do is just simply get it out before Iron Mace and Nexon finish up their legal squabble because until that's done uh obviously they can't exactly determine who owns darker and darker until that Mm -hmm. so uh the reveal that somebody is trying to make it in the new fortnite engine as it were does not come off as a surprise (laughs) Uh, good luck to them well it's a good question of exactly how well they actually do it because one of the things that i've seen for darker and darker is that it really is a lot more simulative of dungeon delving than most games are willing to be, such as, like, turning off the torches or looking through grates of doors and such. Having 50 feet of rope on you. Well, not (laughs) really that much, but I wouldn't put it out of the developers to go in that direction. Okay. There is some verticality in, like, the dungeon that you're playing, so being able to, say, layer a rope off the side of a... Uh, rampart or Edge and go down versus, you know, deal with the other options might, would not be out of their design reach or playstyle And that's probably the reason why so many people enjoyed the game is because it actually felt like, you know, there was a lot of risk going in, involved versus, you know, far more placid affairs or over-designed. But anyway, that was something I've been holding on because it came out like, Literally the week of GDC. Problem, which is funny. One other thing I mentioned uh, before we started recording is that I saw a lot of advertising for Nexon. And that's why the, a name that I wouldn't normally be familiar with was Top of Mind. Yeah. Of course, the head-scratching thing is supposedly Nexon is cleaning up its act, which is weird. Because it's never been a fr- exactly a consumer-friendly company, especially for outside of Korea. It, even inside Korea, for all I know. From, well, it's... It's in charge of MMOs, which generally in Korea that generally means One. Generally. In, in, mm-hmm. On Wikipedia they're described as being a Japanese South Korean company. The Japanese I part of it a, a recent a recent um uh, if they've I bought out or something. Correctly, if I remember correctly, they started out as South Korean, but then there was a degree of adaptation, so to speak, or not adaptation, um that they they're um additional, like additional board or something. Problem in Japan. I mean, there's like Sony of America, so. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and remember Square Enix, or at least Squaresoft, used to have a Japanese office and an American office, and they had two separate projects uh, until Square dissolved the US office and then remade it after Square Enix, which, trust me, it's weird. Like a lot of this already, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's definitely interesting to keep an eye on. Um, I'd be curious to see how the little the move of this ends up because that's been a ripoff. Well, Idiotics no, I don't think it is going to be like rewriting the books, as say the original uh, uh game design uh copyright stuff that happened exactly. in the UK. Yeah, yeah, it's, this is not nearly as groundbreaking or as important as that as I'm, a case. It, that this is that a good thing? Really then simply, yeah. What? That a good thing? Uh well. It's a good thing in terms of that it, we're probably not going to be dealing with any new legislative uh, problems. Like, you know, dealing with the question of how much of uh, loot boxes are gambling or other mm-hmm. such forms of monetization. Loot boxes mm-hmm. are What? Uh, which still hasn't gone anywhere. It's, it's still being... De- it's like, debatable. It's still being negotiated by those with money. It seems like they're on the way out... Little by well, little. It seems like it, they've abandoned the idea of loot boxes, but it's a good question of whether or not it's been actually effective. I mean, there's the entire Overwatch Two situation. Yeah, yeah. Because if if we're losing out of loot boxes, it's probably only because there's something else that is making them money. Just, well, yeah. But here's the thing: for Overwatch Two, they abandoned the loot box feature completely, but it now means that you have to pay upfront for the skins. And Battle Pass. Not just simply the Battle Pass. Some skins are, you know, individual. Pay for the skin only. Which, I mean, isn't that fine? But I guess that's fine. Well. As opposed to a play to win, you know, kind of thing. Well, it's purely cosmetic, but at the same time, it's like, well. You never get to see the skin. You're always coming in in first person. You only see it, like, if you ever get the play of the game. You know what? You got to work up for that, for the glam of play to win. I mean, uh, playing with the game. Mm-hmm. Which, as far as anybody can determine, it's still kind of at random. Mm-hmm. I mean, totally random. I don't know, considering how various design elements, it's probably not random random, but it's probably more based off of, like, if they end up trying to incentivize people to continue playing the game of, say, Fortnite by making the first few games you're playing have bots in them so you can have an easier time getting, you know, uh, winner-winner chicken dinner. Yes, I know I'm confusing Battle Royales here, but forgive me. Sorry. Uh, I wouldn't put it past Blizzard to try to design it so you'll get a play of the game at least so many uh, minutes played, just simply so you can get an incentive to continue playing. You know, get that hit of dopamine. (laughs) Brian, I mean... And how to sit head of dopamine. Well, I to think. get those positive feels so you feel like you didn't waste your time healing a bunch of uh, selfish jerks. Well, as a Mercy player, I can tell you that I can count on one hand the full year and a half I played that game, how many times I got play of the game. <laughs> yeah, but you were playing the original Fortnite. It was probably... Or, or, or Overwatch. The, Overwatch. The original one, I am pretty sure, was actually based off of, like multi-kills or things like that a lot more than um actual uh big saves from yeah, say, is this speculation or no, do you think there's something sure concrete it about actually... it uh fairly well documented like okay people ended up having like large kill streaks were more likely to get uh play of the game than say healing well that makes that makes sense based on my experience but i'm talking about number two though overwatch two you um, I, don't know what I don't know, but I'm just simply speculating on... That's on what I was asking. To ...about, you know, to trying to design the game to be much more... to have a positive experience. Right. I'm almost curious. I almost want to go pick up Overwatch 2 just to test this. For science! But i got too many other games. I think you would have to play a lot of Overwatch 2. Well then, if that's true, that would go counter to, your, to the point you're trying to make. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. It's just, it's all speculation. That's, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, let me see. I'm trying to go down the Rolodex of other new items that have popped up since last time we recorded. <laughs> Apparently Counter-Strike 2 is a thing. that's coming. Someday. Finally? Yeah. I, I mean, I know a lot of people go like, but isn't that CSGO? It's like, actually, it's been interesting to see what they've actually been talking about as improvements. Yeah. Because they haven't been talking about, oh, look at these new graphics, or wow, we're going to revolutionize the game. It's like, okay, this is how we used to track a hit scan on the uh, network play, of essentially dividing every tick by like every second by 128 ticks. And therefore, sometimes there are the case of inputs not being connected to the correct tick of which our output it would be. In other words, you wouldn't get an instantaneous uh, connection of when you press the button to shoot the gun uh, when it was actually fired. So it would occasionally have some variation because of that. Now they've actually made it so you would get simultaneously uh, uh, inputs. So there should no longer be any sort of uh, weirdness using the tick rate. I'm impressed that one of us actually looked into this because... all. I, again, I have. I'm trying to. I'm still after weeks after being back from GDC, still trying to catch up with some stuff. Yeah, there's like I have like two YouTube videos dedicated uh, to watch to, to talking about kind of Stripe too, and haven't watched them yet. So it's a good yeah. thing you're educated. Well, one other thing is also they're changing up uh smoke screen, so they're now using a volumetric mesh to do that. Ooh. So it now actually fills up an area. It. You know, expands out and it can be shot through, and you can actually see through it with your shots. Interesting. So it actually cool. does provide some new gameplay with that. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't think any, any of the f- third major video point that they were trying to make with it was involving level design. Oh, right, they were in, uh, talking about the tools that they were using to develop the levels, mm-hmm. like the new editor uh, for, uh, well, Source, I guess. And how the fact that it can be util- how strong a tool it is. Are you into Counter Strike, Tom? Uh, no, I just simply saw it and it seemed really interesting that the way they were marketing this wasn't like, oh, it's new, it's cool, it's hype. It's like, hey, you've played Counter Strike for a long time. You know what, you're, what we're talking about here. Like, they know their audience that they're pro- probably playing Counter Strike mm-hmm. know these systems by heart. What made you know that practically? Well, first. I wouldn't okay. say d de- d de- I'd probably say more of like, they've done it so long and hard that they Can memorized we... it. They don't even have to think about how things operate. They've been exposed it, to it. Is it, radiation poisoning? No, I'd say it's more like <laughs> you you've worked in a restaurant for like 20 years making the same five recipes that you don't even bother thinking about like how to do something or how much to put into a recipe. It's Ba- 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 Automatic. It's it is instinctual that you do something a certain way. So to that point, are, do they run the risk of alienating those same people by creating a quote unquote new version of this game? Maybe. Uh, I don't think so. The big thing is, is what I'm t- I've taken from with the videos is that they're trying to improve the gameplay without changing it. And let's face it, uh the people who play Counter Strike. Probably don't want to play a new version, a completely new game. You yeah. know, yeah, this video. Don't want to be cutted like so many times. So, many it would times. Be, okay. be another big, big news item that came out this last few weeks is that E3 was canceled again. Well, this time for good, yeah, permanent. I mean, honestly, E3's been kind of meh for a while now. Four one up. It's been kind of irrelevant for a while now. Well, Wait, how much it was irrelevant before the pandemic? I mean, it, it was... was already kind of on the way down before the you pandemic. After that, uh, the electronic uh, ele- uh, electronic entertainment expo—that's what E three stands for. Uh, most of the things that they initially showcased, aka electronics for entertainment, moved to CES. Leaving video games. That's it. That trip held it for the longest time, I think what ended up being the "quote unquote" downfall of E3 was that once publishers and game companies could make their own presentations thanks to the World Wide Web, E3's relevance right. is kind of just went out the door. Like it's, that I is, it's with the virtual. It's not. I would not even say it's their fault. Like E3, I think just they they the show that it was no longer is needed and wanted, and they just couldn't pretend to turn into anything else. It was just time for them to go. Well, mm-hmm. that's what I was trying to get at, is the fact that originally the uh, Entertainment Electronic Expo was meant to showcase off everything electronic for entertainment. So TVs, home theaters, sound systems, headsets. When did CES come into play? Uh, as far as I know, CES... Was it like a competitive convention? ...was a competitor but they, uh, CES was much more about all types of electronics so it also included things like heaters fans, all oh, of it. the first one ever held was June 1967 and for CES yes, and when was E3, first one oh, let me see that, that. well that's you First first E3 was 19, 1995 oh, I mean <laughs> that does track considering actually that makes me wonder if e3 was specifically designed for more video gamey stuff in the first place yeah i mean like i thought e3 or at least an initial version of it was started back in the 80s but if it's i mean i always thought of it as video game well hard stuff but you know that's kind of that might have just been the marketing of it yeah that's the big thing is uh, e3 always seemed to have a bombastic marketing push to everything, mm-hmm. it reading the Wikipedia, he sees that his origins was always on the video games. Yeah, hmm. so yeah, it makes sense if all the video game manufacturers, developers, and companies are just simply abandoned. It. I think the naming of electronic entertainment is just a. I think that's a analogy. I think it's just well when you take trun- the nineties, when you truncate it down to E three, it makes sense. Yeah. No, the no, no, no marketing person came up with that. It's just I know I read somewhere that they did show off uh, like e- electronics there, like hardware, but it was mostly just stuff dealing with uh, essentially entertainment, so things like TVs and such. So I'll, like, I'll, I'll, I paste it into the chat, but there is a CES connection though. Uh, huh. There's a quote from the C- then CEO of the Sega America said that CES used to be a place where they can do some of the stuff. E three and eventually started doing, but they felt that they were like like redhead stepchildren and never got the attention they they were wanting. Xeas, hence ah, oh, that makes sense then. So they created that. Is, so they banded together and created their own. They were like, "Well, screw you. We'll make our own convention with blackjack and hookers." Often, quite literally, sometimes white <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a reason that's a quote. But yeah, pour one out for for E three. I mean. Yeah, it was very. It was. It's definitely been a zombie for a long time, and probably needed to go out. Go out sooner, but here we are. I mean, yeah. I, again, as we said, it was. It was definitely a necessary. It was a relic of a bygone era, but it was a necessary one mm-hmm. because when it came into being, we didn't have. We had. I mean, okay, we had like Nintendo Power magazine or the PlayStation magazine or you know those. We had trade magazines. Mm-hmm. Remember, it was. Uh, yeah. Um, But we didn't have anything to the degree of what we can have now where Sony can literally have their own expo uh, or Square Enix can literally just upload onto the internet uh, what they want to say and make it (laughs) listen. Or I can watch a video blog from the dev team of the game that I'm going to forward to. Yeah, Uh, We we went from E3 to having live letters. Actually, there's one other factor you have to consider. Mm. PAX. I mean, okay, it may not be a big developer conference, but in terms of exposure and use of like marketing, especially for indie developers that may not have been shunned uh, by bigger ones, not to mention it also is an excellent place for bigger developers to come in if they want to have a physical presence and want to actually interact with people right i I think of the I think their consumer focus in the in those expos also really helped, yeah, like and I, that's the thing e three tried to pivot to, and they they were just not equipped for it. well, it's always been the problem of e three originally was meant for reporters on the press, yeah, exactly, and as it went on, it sort of became more of a hype machine. It had a lot of people desperately trying to get a press pass of some sort to just slum in. So, um, I do think it's a matter of marketing, ultimately. I think they prefer to have reporters come in in a very controlled environment of like being invited to any sort of like private uh, demo of their game, or, you know, making sure that they're able to talk with them personally and have them have a have a conversation to make sure they understand that certain things are in development. Regardless of, you know, oh hey, don't speak badly about this. We know about this, but don't talk mad about it. Nudge nudge, wink wink. We'll watch. Um let's see. Other news? Uh, I guess there's a new PS vita coming out. Although all I've heard that it's not I... I think it is, but apparently it's a thing. That's... Uh Um, are we talking like some off brand Vita? Are we like more like the um god not necessarily a Vita Vita, but more of something similar to like various forms of like uh, hardware emulation devices. Spounding is making something that's PS Vita esque. But the, but while well, everything I've heard about it besides that is that don't get your hopes up of actually having a fully realized PS Vita 2. It's just something PS Vita esque. But so it's still over in our uh, room right It would be. I think that's one of the, it was one of the, the theories about it that it could be like a, smartphone or some other like smart device or like maybe it's like oh now you can just play ps vita games on sony's newest smartphone now that come on that I, this is this another another news article and video i haven't read up i know that I, i've heard the rumblings of that even prior to to me being gone but this is the first i've seen like actual substantial writings on it well to me that comes off in the same vein as oh, Nintendo's going to release the N64 Mini this year. And I'm like, I, I found out that the NES Mini and the SNES Mini weren't good decisions because people got into them really fast and found out that they could just upload their own ROMs and have all the ROMs that they wanted on those Minis. I would have liked, I loved an N- NES Mini, though. I would have preferred the SNES Mini, but that's just me. Yeah, I think I would have preferred SNES Mini. I thought they got to a SNES Mini. No, they <laughs> They, the problem is it, it there was not a lot of supply, and they were yeah. like $200 each, which is honestly kind of ridiculous for an emulator box. Yeah, with a very limited... Well, if I remember correctly, the NES Mini had 60 games on it, and they were trying to sell it like... Uh, I think somebody ended up doing the numbers and saying that essentially for each game it was $2 per game, so I believe it came out to like $120, $130 for its initial release. there's someone selling their NES on Amazon for 200 bucks. The (laughs) NES, first of all, I wouldn't trust, you know, scalping and after sales. Right. Because obviously things can wildly spiral out of control. Oh, and that's 30 games, right? Oh, 30 games. But it's Mario and Zelda, guys. well, I... Anytime you get, like, one of those type of uh, emulator thing, you're going to end up with... You'll get, you know... A few of the big titles you'll get like the Mario, Mario two, Mario three. Um, you'll get Zelda and most likely Zelda two. Um, Metroid, uh, you're also you're gonna get Metroid. You're probably gonna get Kid Icarus. You're probably gonna get Punch Out. But you're also gonna get like a lot of like the Excite Bikes and the, those kind of games that were like, uh, this is this is definitely not adding value to my purchase. <laughs> It's all nostalgia. Well, if I remember for the NES and SNES, they did try to put some rarer games or games that never got ported to America. Mm-hmm. But admittedly, it's always been a sort of a questionable investment in the first place, simply because if you go into the aftermarket and look for um, third-party emulation boxes, mm-hmm. they're probably better deals, essentially. Um I think there was also mention that, like, you could wirelessly connect your NES and SNES Mini and they would release more games that you could download or swap out. Uh, but I'm not sure what happened with that because, like, there's always this constant thing of, like, and then it disappeared or, and then there was no more news about what's going on. And so Nintendo moved on. Or it was just the fact that, like, The stuff that they wanted to do they just couldn't because they couldn't either get it to work on the official emulator which that's kind of weird that they couldn't get it to work or it's just nobody found any passion in trying to get it to work well there's also a question of legality yeah how many of those classic games are actually owned by nintendo and how many of them can be you know contested in court yeah um, other albums, Uh Now we don't talk about Microsoft and their acquisition. That's whatever. Whenever it happens, it happens. I guess. Um, Resident Evil Four came out. That might be fun to check out sometime. I'm gonna have to consider that for a potential stream. It's Resident Evil Four, Eddie. It i played it before. It's it was fun when I played it back in the day. I don't know about this new one. I've heard good things about the new one. Mousy. Um Oh, but then there there was that BS about that voice actor that got harassed that was that good people stop harassing your voice actors. Um, Yeah, that's, that's the PS thing for the day. Um, all right. So then the thing we can talk about now then is, um, so before we, we went off the air for a month on, on podcasting, it had come out that Yoshida, you know, critically acclaimed producer and, and headmaster of all things Final Fantasy 14 right now, said he didn't like the, well, 16 now, but 14, but, and 16, fine both. Right. Um, Said that we did not like the term JRPG. What's Gus? Uh, from what I recall of the interview, because I read it when it came out and I, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, it's a stream. Uh, the stream. Yeah, no, that's a stream thing. Yeah. It's, it's a stream thing, but uh, essentially, processing probably, the stream. Uh, essentially, from what I understood, is that he did not like the term uh, JRPG because it was coming off as this is. The Japanese style of RPG versus the Western RPG, which sounds more like everything but uh, Japan. Which, yeah, no, in a sense, that's kind of like saying, uh, "Oh, let's uh, let's label uh, Fallout as a state RPG, and then everything else is an Eastern RPG." But again, there really isn't, uh, and this is something he kind of poked at, if I recall correctly, is there really isn't such a thing as a WRPG. There's no real, it's RPG and GRPG, as mm-hmm. though it's like a, a, a subcategory. And that yeah. I think that's kind of where he was coming from, because he was like, I don't like it. I think it's you know discriminatory. It's kind of setting us apart, and it's treating us as though we're less than which is honestly ridiculous because if it wasn't for JRPGs, we wouldn't have an RPG, an, a Western RPG market. And the weird part about it is that I'd say that like JRP is like, I hate using the term now because it's like, I look back and go like secret of meta is an RPG, but it has a lot more common to what people would think of in a Western, in a modern Western RPG with you level up by Doing things, you're acted Like everything is active. You're constantly fighting. You you still get levels, and yeah, the, the story is kind of like what it is. But Secret of Mana is has always had the label JRP, JRPG slapped on it. Why? Because it came from Japan. Because it came from SquareSoft. Yeah, a Japanese publisher, and. Conversely, the engine that was used for Secret of Mana got used for Secret of Evermore, which was developed by Square, uh, SquareSoft, uh, USA, and for several decades, constantly referred to it as part of the Mana series. It was not ever. It's on. A, it's like the redheaded stepchild of mod, of Secret of Mana or like it's the, it's the cousin it's the, it's the weirdly unique cousin yeah and it's mostly because of factor that uh it use the same engine so like if somebody uh, in a weird uh, weird way of referring to this as uh you know how people talk about stalker uh being like oh it's a great rpg from like the eastern block but if we use the same ways that they handled the uh secret of evermore no it's it's just an eastern block f p s game with a lot more customizability so it's it's while those like people are swinging the terms around nowadays and not even thinking about it and you know, I guess to bring my perspective into it i I kind of always felt that jrpg was just like a, a term of endearment because you yeah when you look at it you know as an actual definition to something I don't think if it's I think it works as a definition for everything because you're right these even everything under the JRPG umbrella you know so to speak what's their connected tissue outside of being a Japanese RPG right which uh, that's why I always felt it was like a term of endearment just people like oh these these RPGs of particu- a particular particular influence are called JRPG and beyond that they shouldn't mean anything but I guess I take it from Shida's perspective he felt that that term was used like to make JRPGs quote-unquote less than other RPGs like oh those are just JRPG. They kinda were. Um kind of putting uh, like remember the video I posted a few weeks back before GDC about uh good God um X Play reviewing uh SRW Yeah, SRW. Super Robot Wars. Or well, actually the English version which was Super Robot Tai Sen, which There's a reason behind that, but I'm just, I'm just trying to be clear because I think SRW, who's going to know what what that is? Well, I'm pretty sure if people search up SRW, it's going to bring up what they, what generally it refers to as. But it's like the x Clay review of Super Robot Wars was so just, it's like the only good thing about this game is the giant robots because it's like, oh, it's a tactics game. Well, what about Advanced Wars or Final Fantasy Tactics? Uh Yeah. So, I think you have to take into consideration with that review, though, that the X-Plane General has had a, like, a bent against against that type of RPG. They tend not to like those RPGs. That's a good phrase. And they didn't like JRPGs in general. Yeah, the, that's what I'm saying. The, their bent was against that. They, they gave Kingdom Hearts 3 a one-star like a few months ago. Like, they just... That's just how Adam Sessler views those kind of games, which is their prerogative. You know, they're, they're that's why they're not like the one source of all reviews, right? It's just someone's opinion, man, kind of thing, right? But that, but that being said, does that does that really translate to them trying to be derogatory to the entire genre? Uh, maybe, maybe you're right. I mean, some people looked at it and goes like, "Oh, if this major news outlet, which technically they weren't a major." I mean, then I need one market. Yeah, but major in their own right I mean, was a big deal at that time, as far as it can be a big deal. It was one of those things of, like, because they had a lot of influence, a lot of people took everything at kind of face value without sitting down and going, like, okay, wait. Then it's like, if this is the reason, why was it brought stateside? Because it kind of leads into the whole why... Japanese publishers are very afraid of trying to bring games stateside is because, is it going to do well? And... Good question. 90% of the time, it was, oh, it feels too niche. I don't think the American audiences are going to enjoy this. And then they find out that some fans found, uh, found a copy, uploaded it, and then translated the game. And there's a huge fan base that they never tapped into until just recently. Right. Because every it, like to a certain degree, a lot of people were influenced by uh, most uh, game com- uh, most game journalists back in the day, and I hate to say it, Adam Sessler's opinion wasn't just him being detriment to JRPGs. What well, was it then? A majority of journalists did not like. Uh, Oh, so you would say it's not just him doing that? It wasn't just him. Okay, there I thought you were saying so... that. I thought you were implying there was more to it. Than that. No, it was more of there were more people just like Adam Sessler in, in the journalistic uh, uh, companies at that time. Nowadays, mm. not so much. Admittedly, there's there's still a bit of bias in the journalistic, but that's that's a different topic. No, it's just it's just opinions getting out and over Yeah. That's, um, that's if the uh journal uh journal companies even allow their journalists to actually play the games I mean they usually do yeah for more than 20 minutes yeah they do yeah 30 minutes right really? sure I I've, I've never read or, or seen a video that it was described a game for only the first 30 minutes but um I mean to so, so but bringing it back to Yoshida's point then is like I guess it, Personally, if he doesn't want us to call his games JRPGs, I guess that's okay. That's good enough for me. I guess I just won't do that. I'll just tell him RPGs. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Uh, out of res- out of respect, if nothing else. Considering that I heard a weird, uh, an article popped up on my feed, and it was a really weird one. Was guess what they're? Gr- uh, some people are suspecting that they might be reviving for uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, aka Part Two what what you just said what they what are they guess what they're going to revive for that game like a system within the Re- game guess what system they're going to revive for Final Fantasy VII rebirth okay what please got that junction the gambit system okay. gambit oh system. yes oh i mm. uh for those that sure are about that one for those that are not quite up on various systems in Final Fantasy that was the system used in 12 that was the, you build your own AI. Here's the piece, oh, you do it. Weird. Okay, I remember that. Admittedly, this is rumor. No. This is not hard truth. This is, hey, it, it could be somebody going like, I want the Gambit system back because I love the Gambit system, which, to be honest, the Gambit system is pretty good. It was. But it was pretty, it had enough pieces that you could make a really robust set of commands. I mean, you could literally set up a and in fact, I think it was the only viable way of doing it. You could literally set up a set of commands for the hardest to hidden boss and beat it that way, which basically from what I understand, there was a way of doing that boss and you set up the uh, the gambits in a specific specific people with specific loadouts under specific conditions, and you let the p s two run the thing for like twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. Per, twenty four hours or overnight. I totally did that. Which I I never did that myself because I never got quite to that point in the game. But also I can see it because the gambit system was really intense. Well, Lane's recent articles about this. It seems like it's more than just a rumor. It seems like the theme behind the game is intent on making this somewhat a reality. Which I see. Yeah. I mean, it, they they could have brought back worse things. There's definitely worse things they could have, have brought, put into the game. Um, if they put as much TLC into that as they done with almost everything else they did in, in the remake, I can see that working. If are going to put in the effort to it, then yeah, it should sure work beyond that. Episode. We'll see how it actually spins once we put it through its bases. Huh? Hmm? If it, it, there's a release date yet, I don't, I don't think no they, they always know. No, no. Had, they, they really are doing the thing we, we were worried about, that it, we're going to get this, this three-part game, four-part game, however many-part game, every five years. God <laughs> uh, damn it. <laughs> like, they I had to, to, to live but, longer. It's one of those weird situations where it's, like, the whole thing of, like, I I did not want to believe that they were just going to cut it off at the end of Midgar. Because, it's like, why cut it off there? Why not just go... On, Juno and it's like okay they cut it off at of Midgar because of the fact of like the way they were going to handle things because they didn't change the plot a bit they changed the plot yes which if they're going to be the, doing quotations next major plot developments the next major cutoff bit would probably be hey. Nibelheim I like, guess uh, Isn't it, what they it, do it's even even is what they change, change. Or- change in- village Oh, no. This all depends on where they take the story. If they actually stick to that, maybe they they really deviate now that they've done as much as they didn't. I'm reading yeah, that. They, winter 2023. Yeah. If they stick to it, I'm thinking uh, Nebelheim would probably be the more likely um, place mm-hmm. just based on the pacing thus far. Yeah, Um, probably. That's the problem, though, is that A, we have to say if they stick to it, and B, there's no... I mean, for all we know, they're going to turn this into a freaking 10-part saga. We're going to try and do Final Fantasy thirteen again. <laughs> well, no, only even XIII was only three chapters. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because they actually shut down the director of thirteen <laughs> <laughs> from doing any more. They, they quite really... Literally... It's like he won, I think, in an interview with uh, Famitsu... He actually stated that he had plans for a part four and part five. So I, I think he's think better analog, though, still. I think the better analog still would be that they're pulling a Kingdom Hearts. Yes. Yes. Uh, Kingdom Hearts had 73 freaking chapters, and some of them are literally unplayable Chain of Memories. Well, you're you lies. lies. Chain of Memories is bad, and people who play it should feel bad. Anyway, we have a minute left before I have to cut off this recording, so it's time to wrap things up. Uh, the, uh, so will oh, shoot, okay, not. fifty okay. seconds my Black. No, I only have fifty seconds. So, uh, right now, if, you're, if you listen to this, you already missed our streams two streams this week so far. But there's one tomorrow. Watch these gentlemen here play Final Fantasy V tomorrow on Friday. We'll be back Tuesday and Wednesday for more uh, team up games and and uh, Atomic Heart. Uh, okay, we got thirty seconds. Anything else? Anybody has something to say? Say it now! Now, now, say. Thank you. I so tess- understood the assignment. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Bye. This has been a presentation of Front Row Geeks. Adios.